welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is your host, Kim Groves, hoping you've been having a lovely week. And I hope you had a beautiful, gorgeous weekend. It, we had a little bit of a storm here a couple days ago. We had that nice, soft rain, perfect for my garden. Uh, my roses are coming out, and they're absolutely lovely. But I do have to say, I think I lost like three or four plants. But that's the nature of the business. So uh, I'll start again next year or plant some in the fall. Um, this week, I hope you enjoy, had a chance to dig into chapter, the beginning of chapter 6 uh, of Matthew with the Sermon on the Mount, and I also hope that you had a chance to explore a little bit about the Phoenicians with us on Thursday. And again, I am working hard to bring this to you. And I, I work very hard to bring this this to you every uh, every cup every uh, week, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, I I am um, planning on taking a week's vacation, but I will certainly uh, still post my podcast in advance. But I, I think after the year we've all had, I could definitely stand to have a vacation. Um, and now that all the Smithsonian museums are, I think most of them are open, so my uh, little girl is going to adore going to see and visit the butterflies. So if you live in the Washington, D.C. area or you're coming out here to the East Coast and you have a chance to visit um, the um, Smithsonian, I would definitely recommend the Natural History Museum and the Butterfly Pavilion. So it is so awesome and I always have a great time whenever I go. So again, there's my advertisement for the Smithsonian, which I absolutely adore. And for those of you who like to look at the gorgeous jewelry, there's always the Hope Diamond and what I call the jewelry room, where you have all the tiaras and the necklaces and the rings and all of that good business. So anyway, there's my, my little free blurb for the Smithsonian there. Okay, today we're going to continue with our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We will be bringing that to a conclusion in the next several weeks. And today we're going to be talking about prayer. And uh, I, one of the things that I've always, I guess you could say I've learned over the years is that prayer can change everything. And I have a friend, uh, Dave, I've mentioned him, who says you can speak things into existence through prayer. And I firmly, firmly believe that. Uh, I have another friend, also a pastor, who, um, I jokingly say to him uh, about, I pray, I, I don't want to pray for strength and I don't want to pray for patience. And uh, he told me that if you pray for strength, God sends adversity. And if you pray for patience, God sends tribulation. So with that being said, I neither want adversity or tribulation, <laughs> but I do pray regularly. And I say that jokingly if you hear me laughing. Because uh, it's part of life, tribulation and 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 um, and uh, and uh, uh, you know you, you get those things as, as you um, adversity you get those as you go through life. So today um, we're going to start with as we are reading. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter six verses five through fifteen. So uh, a few of these verses comprise what we uh, refer to as the Lord's prayer. So I'm going to start with uh, our reading, and then we'll, we'll break it out from there. Okay. So uh, chapter uh, 6, verse 5. And when thou prayest, be not as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, because they would be seen of men. 
Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou prayest, enter into thy chamber, and when thou, do, do, when thou hast shut the door, thy door, pray unto thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Also, when ye pray, use no vain repetitions as the heathen, for they think to be heard for their much babbling. Be not, be ye not like them before, therefore, for your father knoweth whereof ye have need, before ye ask of him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on, even in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we for, also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye do forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye do not forgive men their trespasses, no more will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And so there's our reading, and of course you heard the, the Lord's Prayer in there. So again, the sixth chapter does continue to expound upon the righteousness of the kingdom with respect to man's relation to God, especially in practicing certain acts of righteousness. Remember that verse 1 likely provides an introductory statement concerning all acts of righteousness. Take heed that you do not do these deeds before men to be seen by them. And we've talked about that. And, and remember, it's, it's all about intent. Your intention. Do you intend to be seen and acknowledged by men for what you are doing? And again, as we discussed, with, especially with, when it comes to acts of charity, yes, man may see you do this act of charity to somebody, but are you doing it to be recognized by man or are you doing it only because you wish to acknowledge the graciousness of God? So again, it's all in the intent and only God knows your heart, your particular heart, and if you're doing it to be seen of men or if you are doing it to be seen of God. So again, remember, you can't always avoid being seen by men doing these actions. However, it's what your intent is. Do you intend for man to acknowledge what you are doing? Or are you intending for only Heavenly Father to see you? So again, it's all in intent. So I need you to continue to bear that in mind as we continue moving forward. So first, what do we find? What does Jesus say first and foremost? Do not be like the hypocrites who love to pray, standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets. So they do this because they want to be seen of men. They want men to acknowledge their moral and religious superiority, as it were. Okay, so they are getting their reward on earth because the people on the street are saying, look at him. He's so pious. He's praying out loud where everyone can see. So we know that he is so religious and so pious and he loves God. But does he really love God? Does that person really love God? And Jesus makes the case that no, that person is doing this only to be seen by men, not and yes, God sees that, but he sees the whole picture. You have to remember, God sees the whole picture. So God knows that these men are standing here on these streets, doing these prayers and standing in the synagogues and doing these prayers so that they might be observed by men. 
and their prayers will not really go very far. They're not going to reach the heavenly gates because they're only doing it to be seen by men and for everyone to applaud and say, yay, look at you, you're so pious. He said, go, Jesus goes on to say, they have their reward. That is, they are indeed seen by men and acknowledged as pious men by other men. And remember, I'm not, I don't really care about other people's opinions of me. I care about God's opinion of me. And I know that I am the child of the Most High God. I am the daughter of a king. I am a child of God. And I do everything for his glory and his benefit. And if somebody happens to give me a pat on the back and says, hey, Kim, you did a great job. Well, more so. But again, I don't do it to be observed by men. I do it because it's the right thing to do. So again, when you are observed by men because of your piety, and I say that in quotes, you have the extent of your reward. When man goes up to you and says, hey, you're such a good pious person doing all this praying. So these people will absolutely get no reward, no blessing from God, period, okay? And again, I'm not talking about when you are selected for, from your, your, your pastor in our church, um, the pastor or our bishop will select someone in the congregation, a couple of people in the congregation to give the opening prayer and the closing prayer. So again, um, and I've been asked to do that and I always speak from my heart. And even though I sometimes struggle because I, I feel prayer is a very personal thing. So again, am I being seen of men? Yes. Am I doing it to be rewarded by men? No, the words are only for Heavenly Father. It's just we say a prayer to open and close our service. Okay, so Jesus is not condemning all public prayer. I, so I don't want you to get the impression that God and Jesus condemn all public prayer. As I said, we say in my church, we say an opening prayer and a closing prayer. Plus we do our uh, sacrament prayers, which, you know, bless the bread and the water for the passing of the sacrament. So again, those are public prayers. But again, they are not prayers designed to be rewarded by men. They are simply prayers we state to make sure that we're opening our hearts to God and that we are ready to receive the words that, that are being, getting ready to be spoken to us. So God himself, or Jesus himself, prayed in public. In Matthew eleven twenty five and John eleven forty one. there are indicators that, that Jesus did indeed pray in public. And Paul, in the book of Acts, chapter 27, actually also prayed in public. So public prayer is not condemned by Jesus in, in all cases. So again, I, I'm making this very clear. It, it goes back to your heart's intent. What does your heart intend when it's doing its public praying? Is it because you want the bishop to come up to you after church and say, hey, Kim, you did a great job on the opening prayer? Or is it because you know you said words that were pleasing to God and they were words that you wanted God to hear? So again, the emphasis is the same as stated in verse 1. Do not do your deed of righteousness before men to be seen uh, by them. So how then are we to pray as to be heard by God? And then, so this breaks down the Lord's Prayer. And, and everybody, uh, you, there are a lot of churches who recite the Lord's Prayer every week. 
And I went to one of those churches, and it was just part of the ritual. It's, it's, but the way the Lord's Prayer is designed, or what we call the Lord's Prayer, um, is to, um, or some, some religions call it the Our Father. Um, but, the, but the way the Lord's Prayer is, is made is to actually, it's not to recite those particular words in that particular order. It's to give you a blueprint for prayer, an outline, if you will, of how we should pray. What, what are the proper, what are the things that you should have in your prayers? So um, it must be God, but be done to be seen of God, not men. So this is the main idea of praying in secret, as it were. Even public prayer can be prayed in secret. The sincere and humble worshiper, one who is not interested in making a public display for the sake of enhancing his prestige, will find the secluded nook or den to be most appropriate for his devotions. And I've always been this way. I, I find prayer to be my personal conversation with God. And in, in that, I feel that those are things that I'm saying directly to him that is, in, that is in my heart, that is pressed upon my spirit that I need to express to God. And they're not for public consumption, those prayers are not. They're, they're the ones I pray in secret. And there, there is a time, or there was a time in one of the churches I went to where we had a moment of silent prayer. And I would sit there and just think my prayer or mouth my prayer quietly so no one could see or hear my words. Because those prayers are not for everyone to hear. They're for God. They're from my mouth to God's ear, as it were. So this, um, the person who prays much in secret, secret is praying to be seen of God, not men. And um, there's, a, there's a very, oh, I'm sorry, there's a very old adage that says as long as there are tests given in school, there will be prayer in school. And I firmly, firmly believe that. Uh, how many times I have prayed, dear God, please help me pass this test. And I was a good student in school, but every so often you would run into a test that was, you know, hard. And I would think to myself as, as the teacher would hand me the exam, I'd say, please, God, let me help pass me, help me pass this. Um, so you must be, your prayers must be done to be heard of God or not meant. So this is avoiding the use of vain repetitions. And as often, that was often practiced by the heathen religions. And one of my things is when people pray, they repeat the same phrases and same things over and over. And yes, should you always say the name of God? Yes, absolutely. Should you always say the name of Jesus? Yes, absolutely. But again, you should not be too repetitious with what you're praying because of the fact, are you doing it for God or are you doing it for man? And sometimes there's a little bit of both in there, but again, the intention is everything. Are you doing this because you want to be acknowledged by men or are you doing this because you wish to be acknowledged by God? So the heathen tried to tire out their gods with such endless prayers. Mere formulas were repeated over and over again. The Jews had such prayer formulas. Catholics also have them in the form of their rosary. Now, since the Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him, prayers to be heard by God do not have to be filled with superfluous words. So again, like I said, simple is best. Um, and the acronym KISS comes in mind. Keep it simple, silly. Uh, there's different 
words for the last S, but I'm going to go with silly. So keep it simple, silly. Sometimes that prayer, dear God, help me pass this physics test, is sufficient. You're short, sweet, to the point. Um, and, and, and God already knows you need help passing that physics test. Okay, or he knows you need help with your driving test. Or he knows that you're, you're getting ready to get that one person, you're getting ready to have a meeting with that one person that just knows how to touch every single nerve you've got and get on it. And when you say that silent prayer, dear God, please help me deal with this situation, whatever that situation is, God already knew that you're, you need help with that situation. But the, the point of prayer is to verbally acknowledge why you need God. So prayer is not just your conversation with God. It is your own internal acknowledgement that you need God. That it, it, It's verbalizing the I need you part of things. And, and um, I'll kind of, of go off a little bit with a Star Trek analogy here. And in one episode of Star Trek, um, it was The Next Generation, um, the, the crew had a run-in with Q. And uh, if you know anything about Star Trek The Next Generation, Don, John Delancey does an amazing job playing Q. And Patrick Stewart plays Captain Picard. And I believe the episode I'm thinking of is when they first, when Q throws them back to a sector of space and they encounter the Borg for the first time. Stick with me, this is relevant. So the, the episode sets up with John Delancey, or Q, wanting to be a part of Captain Picard's crew. Now, of course, the crew has had many run-ins with Q, and they just know he's just full of nonsense. So Picard is like, I don't need you. I don't need you as part of my crew. And then this is when Q snaps his fingers, throws them back to a sector of space where they encounter the Borg and almost get destroyed by the Borg. And the only thing that saves them is when Captain Picard shouts out, even though Q's not seen visually, I'm t uh, th that's it, Q, I need you. I need you, Q. Do you, do, are you satisfied? Because I'm telling you, I need you. And then Q pops in, snaps his fingers, and the crew is back in their normal sector of space. So, again, this is relevant, because what did, what happened there? If you're to uh, take that and put it into our modern spiritual life, Q in the in in our spiritual in our spiritual life would be God, and we are like Captain Picard and the crew of the Enterprise. So we have to verbally shout out loud to God that we need Him. Okay, we need Him to help us with a situation. We need Him in our life. We need Him to help handle the day-to-day -day living that, that comes with being a mortal on this earth. We need him to give us spiritual and, and uh, strength, and we need him to give us spiritual strengthening and, and resilience to deal with the, the slings and arrows of this world that we deal with. Again, I told you my Star Trek reference was relevant. So, um, again, I, 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 if I could throw in a Star Trek reference or a Star Wars reference, I'm going to do it. Um, so again, Picard's going back to, you don't have to fill your prayers with superfluous words. Picard's simple, I need you Q was sufficient. It's like 
when we just say, I need you, God, to help me get through this, whatever your this is, that's simple, to the point, no super, superfluous words. Everything is meant for God, okay? So uh, the third thing is it must be pattern, patterned after the manner Jesus describes. Um, the phrase, in this manner. So again, the, the Lord's Prayer is not meant to be a prayer in the strictest sense of the words. It's meant to be a blueprint of how we can, oh, how we should pray. So it's, um, it's not a liturgical exercise as sometimes practiced. And I know a lot of faiths do practice the Lord's Prayer as a liturgical exercise. And I'm not saying there's no value in reciting the Lord's Prayer. But when you do it every week for 20, 30 years, it's no longer a prayer it's a liturgical exercise and it's just something you do because that's what you're supposed to do and that's what the bulletin says to do after you do this 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 and this so that's not it as uh, i like to say this ain't it chief okay this is not it the lord's prayer is not an exercise it is a blueprint a pattern if you will so it's first the lord's prayer is very simple okay so the the term therefore connects with what, what follows with what was said before. So Jesus's pattern is an illustration in contrast to the many words used by the heathen. So again, the Lord's Prayer is very short, very brief. So there's it's not some long multiple page diatribe in which we repeat the same things over and over. So then in the content of a what would be deemed a proper prayer includes reverence for God and his name. So our father, which art in heaven, praying for the progress of God's kingdom and his will for the earth. Ask for your physical necessities. Oh God, I need, I need to get, uh, uh, groceries. I need clothing. I need to make sure I have money to pay my daughter's tuitions. Um, Ask for your spiritual needs. Help me learn to be a better Christian. Help me learn to be a better follower. Help me forgive those who have wronged me. Help me not to live in the past. Help me to move forward in the future. Help me to take this burden that is in my heart on this particular subject away from me and give it to you. So we should for, uh, ask for the forgiveness of our sins and the protection and deliverance from evil. And then end praising God. Finally, <coughs> our prayers must be offered with a merciful spirit. Um, so that's indicated in verse 12 of the prayer, or um, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 12, uh, chapter 6, verse 12. I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. So this isn't like physical monetary debts. These are the debts that we incur living on the earth, the wrongs we've committed. Not as, well, as sins, but the things that we have done that where we owe somebody something and somebody we feel owes us something. So, um, and it, um, otherwise we cannot expect mercy for ourselves if we ourselves do not exercise mercy. So if, if we refuse to be merciful to our neighbor, to our friends, to our fellow man, how are we to expect God to be merciful to us? This falls into forgiveness. In other words, for us to be forgiven, we must forgive. We must constantly 
be in a an act of forgiveness. And yes, it is hard to forgive some things. Absolutely, you're not going to hear an argument from me on this. But we must forgive those that wronged us. Yes, have people wronged me? Absolutely, I could tell you stories for days. Have I forgiven them? Maybe not always. Do I need to work on that? Yes. Do I need to forgive them? Absolutely. Will I? Yes. But sometimes I I need to learn to let that go and say, God, you deal with it how you're going to see fit. And the, the thing is, one wrong that was committed against me uh, many years ago, I, I prayed for God after I kind of sat on it for a while and stewed and fretted about it. I actually told God, I'm done dealing with this. I'm giving it to you. You handle it however you see fit. Years later, and I was, by this point, I was married. I had moved away. I was visiting my mom. I ran into a lady I used to work with. And I asked her about this person that had wronged me. And then this is when this person downloaded to me everything that had happened to this person. And I'm like, wow, God, when, when you give it to God, God does take care of it. And and this, this person ended up, you know, I, I hate to say it, she lost everything. Um, and, and all because I turned my, I, I forgave her for what she did to me and I turned it over to God for him to handle. And when I did that, everything changed. My spirit was lighter. I was happier. I had released it and, and God did more than I ever could have dreamed because I chose to trust God to handle the situation. And I took my hands off of it and let God deal. And it, it was it was a beautiful thing. So in conclusion, the privilege of prayer is one of the most important blessings to be enjoyed by the children of God. How important then that we be sure we, to pray in such a manner as to be seen and heard by our Father in heaven and not men. So uh, I think that might about do us for today. Um... Again, this was a talk from the Sermon on the Mount on prayer. Uh, as always, I enjoy uh, hearing from you by email. You can email me at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. And apparently Facebook is being super funny lately, so... Um, our main minister, David James, has actually um, had to start using our YouTube channel more to post his particular devotionals. So he is on um, the Rebirth Network on YouTube. Um, and of course, you will know him. He is an African-American gentleman, um, and he usually does his services. Most of them are outside, but he does a few inside every so often when it gets really hot or cold or rainy or whatever around here. Um, so please find us on YouTube and give us a like, give us a subscribe, um, drop, I don't know if, uh, com he has comments enabled on his, um, on the YouTube channel or not. Uh, that's not my game. Uh, so if you're able to comment, leave us a comment and let us know what you think. As always, um, drop us comments. If you're liking the podcast, you can drop up comments on our Facebook page too. That's, that's all good. You can drop them underneath the services. Um, and, uh, 
I, I always check the, the, the page and uh, so I, I would, you know, I can always respond to comments. So I hope you will join us on Thursday when we're going to actually discuss the Dead Sea Scrolls and the New Testament. Again, this is Kim Groves with the Past and Present Podcast, hoping that you stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. Have a great week.